Hello again, everybody, and welcome to Believe in Brewers, our third episode of our Brewers-based podcast. I'm Kevin Holden, uh, CBS 58 Sports Director in Milwaukee, and uh, I think the tone is maybe a little bit better for Brewers Nation since the last time we spoke. In our last episode of Believe in Brewers, we were going over the fallout of the Josh Hader trade, what the Brewers had gotten in return, and sort of the existential crisis was the term that I was using that both the players and Brewers Nation were going through after losing one of the elite closers in the game because life does go on after the trade deadline. That's not the end. That's uh, in many ways just the beginning for teams trying to clinch a playoff spot for the Brewers. It's uh, maybe trying to win the NL Central. That might be their best way or only way to pick up a playoff berth. So the players have to go on and get the job done even without Josh Hader. And in Pittsburgh, last week, it didn't really happen that way. It was a rough series for the Brew crew. And then there was that Red series at home over the weekend. Also, not really the way the Brewers wanted it against a Reds team that's, for the most part, beatable. They had a bad start to their season, and they've certainly been better of late. But uh, the Brewers lose two out of three to the Reds. Keston Hura did hit a home run in the ninth inning of Sunday's game, the series finale. That was a game we did on Telemundo, Wisconsin in Spanish, and that was a lot of fun. My that voice is still a little bit hoarse from that home run call, I think, but uh, uh, the Brewers end up losing that game in extra innings. So you're waiting still at that point as a Brewers fan for the signs of life, for the signs of this team winning games, staying competitive. You hope it's not just a drop directly off the cliff. Well, then came the Rays series. That was certainly one that worked in the Brewers' favor, a short series, two games, Tuesday night, Wednesday afternoon at American Family Field, a team that the Brewers don't obviously see that often, but they certainly did well against them. It was a 5-3 win on Tuesday, and then Wednesday, something that really should give Brewers fans quite a bit of hope for what's to come, because not only did they rally to win a game, they rallied with their offense to win a game, which oftentimes you have to do. Rowdy Tellez hits a home run in the ninth inning, to extend the game, an exciting game at that point already. Then in the 10th inning, it's Willie Adamas coming through, and that's a tremendous sign for the Brewers who have basically decided to stay internal with their offense to try to make their offense better by counting on the guys they already have. So you will need a guy like Willie Adamas, and he came through for the Brewers with a walk-off hit, a single that scored Tyrone Taylor in the 10th inning on Wednesday. So the Brewers win two games. They stop the skid. The unfortunate part, and man, when it rains, it pours, is that the Cardinals were absolutely on fire over the weekend while the Brewers were losing two of three to the Reds. The Cardinals were sweeping the New York Yankees. I had to check the standings because I thought the Yankees had only lost three games all year coming in. It was a few more than that. But uh, (laughs) the Cardinals do end up beating the Yankees in three games, sweeping them in that series. And... That's a big boost, obviously, to St. Louis. They took over first place over the weekend, and the Brewers are now scratching to try to get back and catch the Cardinals as they go. So it leads us now to a weekend series that is absolutely fascinating. And if you are a Brewers fan of any age whatsoever, I don't care if you followed the 80s Brewers, the 2000s Brewers, the 2010s Brewers, or the current team, Something about St. Louis always seems to be in the way of what this Brewers team wants to accomplish. It's fascinating to me. I don't know if there is another franchise in the game who has had another team 
be such a thorn in the side of every regular season. I mean, you could talk about great rivalries, Dodgers, Giants, and Yankees, Red Sox, and that kind of thing. Uh, those are obviously, you can't touch those in terms of rivalry. But there's something about every time the Brewers have wanted to accomplish something, the Cardinals have stood in the way. 2011, Brewers win the division. They have a team that is good enough to make it to the World Series, except the Cardinals come out as the wild card out of the Central and end up beating the Brewers in the National League Championship Series in six games. This is something Brewers fans have been far too familiar with, and it's certainly not something that they enjoy. But this is a chance this weekend for the Brewers to kind of change some things around a little bit. A couple of things that have gone their way of late. You've seen, again, signs of life from their offense. You've seen them start to do some things, hitting key hits, key situations. The Adamas hit is the kind of thing that gives momentum to a team, even with the day off in between, that is helpful. And by the way, the Brewers do have that advantage as well coming into this set against the Cardinals, which is... The Cardinals play on Thursday against the Rockies. The Brewers do not play at all on Thursday before they go to St. Louis. So you have these three games. One game separates the Brewers and Cardinals. That's before the uh, Cardinals game on Thursday. So the division lead can change hands in this weekend series if things go the Brewers' way. If it goes the right way, Milwaukee can walk out of St. Louis with first place in the National League Central. That would be an enormous boost for not only players, but also fans who are trying to stay with this. The, the concentration of fans is about to change in Wisconsin. The Packers are about to play their first uh, preseason game, and it is preseason. Folks are thinking about fantasy football drafts. They're thinking about the regular season. They're thinking about you know, going back to school or having kids go back to school or whatever it is for this fall. And the Brewers will be competing with some other things for the thought process of fans. Well, one way you keep the interest level up and the attendance up and the noise up is to be a first place team. And if the Brewers can do that coming out of the Cardinal series, that will mean a lot to their season. I don't like putting a ton of emphasis on a series, even in August, a single series, but this one's pretty big. And especially when you look at the way the standings shape up right now, the Brewers are obviously a second place team in the National League Central. But what they also are is at the moment out of the wild card race. It is a little different in the National League this year. Three division winners, three wild card teams. The Brewers happen to be the seventh place team in the National League. They would be the fourth wild card or, or fourth in the wild card standings. So at this moment, if the playoffs started, they would not make the postseason. And what do you know? The San Diego Padres are the team right above the Brewers in those wild card standings. That could be a thorn in the side as well. I think we'll be revisiting that a few times into August and into September as the Brewers try to pick up that wild card spot. I still say it's way better to win the division and not have to worry about the way the wild card stuff shapes up. San Diego, Philadelphia, Milwaukee, all very close, separated coming into Thursday by just a game and a half, those three teams. So a hot streak from the Brewers at any point can help push them to the front of that group, which would give them the number five overall seed, the second wild card, uh, basically. So that is intriguing. But this series against the Cardinals is where that focus has got to be. And there are some fascinating matchups pitching-wise in this series. Friday's series opener, Eric Lauer for the Brewers and Jordan Montgomery, the recent trade acquisition for the Cardinals, who turned around and beat the team that traded him to the Cardinals, the New York Yankees. 
So he knows a little bit Montgomery does about winning baseball. He's experienced quite a bit of it this year, and he's helping out the Cardinals at this point. So we're talking lefty against lefty in the opener of the series. That's a Friday night game at 7-15, and that's, that's one way to start it off, but it only gets bigger after that. Saturday's game is some kind of matchup. This is what you're talking about if you're a baseball fan and you're looking for some sort of excitement in the last not quite third of the season. I guess it is the last third of the season. The Brewers have passed the 110 game mark. So Corbin Burns gets the start for Milwaukee, and he did not get the win on Sunday against St. Louis, but he pitched a pretty good game. Uh, high strikeout total, very typical Corbin Burns kind of game, got through six and just didn't quite get the support that, uh, that was necessary to win the game. But no reason to be concerned about Corbin Burns, despite the fact that he didn't get that win on Sunday. So he goes into St. Louis to face Adam Wainwright. And that takes me to one of the things that the Brewers will have to deal with from an obstacle standpoint in this series in St. Louis. It's the end of the line for a couple of superstars in Cardinals history. Adam Wainwright was a part of the World Series winning Cardinals team back in the mid-2000s. Albert Pujols, as you know, goes back 20 years. Yadier Molina goes back a long way as well. These three have been, you know, no matter how you feel about them as a Brewers fan, they have certainly been tremendous ballplayers for a long, long time. They are all very well loved in St. Louis, and they are all basically coming to an end of their careers at the same time. With that in mind, the Brewers are going to face a little bit of extra momentum, not just from those guys wanting to continue uh, their careers and finish their last season in St. Louis with a division win, but also the crowd that will be there as well. And they're also, by the way, going to be doing some celebrating of the 1982 Cardinals team. And this is going to be a bit of a downside uh, for Milwaukee. It's it's well-timed on the Cardinals' part and just unfortunate on the Brewers' part because obviously the 1982 World Series was back when the Brewers were in the American League and the Cardinals were in the National League. Cardinals win that series. Forty years later... Right after the Brewers celebrated their own 1982 team, the Cardinals get to celebrate theirs, the team that actually won the World Series. So, yeah, it's it's not a lot of fun if you're a Brewers fan watching the Cardinals parade around one of their rings on a weekend when you're trying to beat them and take over first place in the division. So there will be a little bit of an uphill climb on that front. But Corbin Burns and Adam Wainwright go head-to-head on Saturday. That's going to be a lot of fun. The listed starters for Sunday, Aaron Ashby and Miles Michaelis, also a strong pitching matchup. As you know, Aaron Ashby was just locked into a long-term deal, uh, buying him out basically through free agency as the Brewers are trying to keep their good young pitching in-house for as long as they can. So that's the three-game set against the St. Louis Cardinals. With the rest of our time here on Believe in Brewers, I wanted to step back for just a moment and talk about something that happened over the weekend at American Family Field. It was a look back of sorts, and it was interesting uh, timing-wise, based on the trade deadline, based on sort of a, not a depressed feeling, but just a you know an angsty feeling on the part of the Brewers fan base getting swept in Pittsburgh, losing Josh Hader in this trade, and not picking up a bat for the lineup. They come home, and and Friday night, uh, the first game against the Reds, the Brewers honored the 1982 team. That's the Brewers team that won the American League championship and then lost, as mentioned, to the Cardinals in the World Series. It's 40 years, and that's still the benchmark for this franchise. It was a team that honored uh, on Friday night all of the the greats, Paul Molitor, Robin Yount, Raleigh Fingers, Ted Simmons, Gorman Thomas, 
all of these guys were there. And I think it was interesting for the Brewers, current Brewers, 2022 Brewers, to, to have a chat with the 1982 team, because I'm sure there was some overlap there and some conversations that had taken place. Because the 1982 Brewers aren't just the team that's achieved the most in franchise history. They're also the team that I think would be best to emulate in franchise history. They were a terrific offensive team. They had some pretty good pitching, dominant closer in Raleigh Fingers. But what they had was chemistry. And it was a different kind of chemistry that somehow stays with them all these years later. I think it was Ted Simmons who said, uh, you get these guys back together, uh, and a few minutes in, they're already giving each other grief, having fun. It's as if they've never left their own company. And uh, it's a group that that's sort of etched in franchise history because of the people as much as it is the players. They were a group that you could go to the corner bar with, or you feel that you could go to the corner bar with. I don't know if that is the uh, the sort of feeling that you would get from anyone in modern Major League Baseball but it's very much what you get from the 1982 Brewers. And uh, their return to the ballpark, I think, might have been beneficial a little bit for this Brewers team because they needed something to help with that sort of th the come-together aspect, right? They This team has had terrific chemistry. I mean, it's a, a bunch of very good guys in this clubhouse. You've never really heard anything to the contrary of it. But the Josh Hader trade left some people feeling down. There's no question about that. And I think this was a nice reminder that the 25 guys or 26, whatever it is that you have in this clubhouse, on this roster at this moment, can stay together, can work together, and can achieve something greater than the, the sum of the parts. The whole greater than the sum of the parts is the old phrase. I think 82 helped show 22 that that could be the case. It may not have been evident right away in that series uh, against Cincinnati when they lost two out of three, but they were competitive there, and they certainly looked good against Tampa Bay. So maybe it helped things out a little bit. So that was one thing that happened over the weekend. Then came Saturday, and the Brewers honored three players from more recent teams, from their early 20-teens teams, very good teams. Prince Fielder was inducted into the uh, Walk of Fame. Only 21 people in the Walk of Fame in Brewers history. Jonathan Lucroy and Ryan Braun are members now of the Wall of Honor. There are 71 members of the Wall of Honor at American Family Field. This is basically ring one and ring two when you're talking about rings of honor for this franchise. And it was another generation of Brewers players that returned to the current generation and the instant chemistry among the three players was obvious. But the other thing that was interesting was the chemistry between those players and Craig Council, current manager of the Brewers, now the longest tenured manager in the national league and teammate of theirs back in 2011 at the tail end of his career. Craig Council was a winner with the Marlins. He was a winner with the Diamondbacks, literally a world series winner with both franchises. But in 2011, when Lucroy and Braun and Fielder were the heart of the Brewers' order, Craig Council was near the end of his career. He was he was the one of the last guys on the bench for this Brewers team. And Prince Fielder said when he was at the podium, he said, I would have loved to have played for you. And and I thought that was interesting because you get the sense that the current Brewers really do enjoy playing for Craig Council. And it began with his own teammates back in the day. They liked him enough that they would like to experience playing for Craig Council. 
as players. Obviously not happening, but uh, a fun thing to discuss either way. It was nice to see Fielder and Braun and Luke Croy and perhaps some good memories from this Brewers team, but it was also a reminder of what the Brewers franchise history was before and after 2008. That's the main point I'm going at with Saturday night. To see Braun and Fielder and to think about Corey Hart and Ricky Weeks and J.J. Hardy and Giovanni Gallardo and these products of the Brewers system that changed the game, that changed the franchise. Between 1982 and 2008, they didn't make the playoffs. Not once. The Brewers were in the World Series in 82, and their next playoff appearance was in 2008. Fast forward to 2011, they win the Central, and they make the playoffs again. And those two years at that time were looked at as generational on the part of this franchise. The 2008 team got an early exit thanks to the Phillies, who won the World Series. The 2011 Brewers uh, made it, as we mentioned, to the NLCS against the Cardinals. That's an interesting contrast to where we are right now. The Brewers have made the playoffs in four consecutive seasons, and they're not far off from making it in a fifth consecutive season. 2018, NLCS. 2019, a wild card game and a Trent Grisham error away from getting beyond that and maybe doing a lot more. 2020 was an early exit. 2021, the Atlanta Braves, the eventual World Series champions, knocked the Brewers out. And by the way, that's been a trend as well. 2019, 2020, 2021, all playoff losses, all to the World Series winners, the eventual World Series winners. So this is something that the Brewers have dealt with for quite a while. Anyway, there is a difference of expectation that happens in 2022 with the Brewers. And I believe that the guys in that 2008 to 2011 frame, the bronze and fielders and so on, were sort of the forefathers of this. It wasn't just a good group that came up. It was a group that showed the Brewers that this team in this market could be competitive enough to win. And now the discussion isn't, well, how long will it be until the next playoff appearance? The discussion now is between wanting to consistently compete but not go for World Series versus going all in for a World Series. In other words, this franchise has done enough in the last 10, 12, 14 years to become a team that you can say that with because the Brewers for many, many years just didn't have the horses to get there. And now they've done enough and accrued enough talent in the minor league system and what they have at the big league level that you can talk about how you want to compete, not if you want to compete. It's a different world. And 1982 and 2011 over the weekend reminded Brewers fans that, you know, as much as you want to hate on, on a Josh Hader trade and, you know, as much of that is, is understandable in the economics of the game, this team's done pretty well the last four years and they're hoping to do so for a fifth year. It is not an easy task from here. The Cardinals stand ahead of them in the division. The Padres stand ahead of them in the wildcard standings. But there's a month and a half of good baseball left to go, and we will have plenty to talk about in the days and weeks to come here on the Believe in Brewers podcast. Thanks again to everybody for listening for our first three episodes. We're, we're working our way through it. Uh, Kevin Holden, CBS 58 in Milwaukee, the sports director there. Uh, glad to, to chat Brewers baseball with you, and we'll check back in after this Cardinals series and see if we are talking about a first place Brewers team that would certainly breathe a little extra life into mid-August in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Thanks everyone for listening.